Hi, my name is Massimo Russo, and I'm a BCG Henderson Institute Fellow, studying how B2B companies are realizing value from the Internet of Things. You're listening to Inspiring the Next Game, a podcast series which offers new perspectives on business, technology, economics, and science by the BCG Henderson Institute. In our first season, we focus on the data economy and will speak with industry and academic leaders to explore the potential of cross-enterprise data sharing and the role of platforms and ecosystems in accelerating the data economy. Today, we're excited to introduce Aaron Simon, Head of Plastic Waste and Business at the World Wildlife Fund. WWF is a 60-year-old international NGO and the world's largest conservation organization. It has a track record collaborating with businesses across a variety of industries to drive collective change in topics ranging from sustainable sourcing to food certifications. Aaron leads WWF efforts in packaging and material science. Before a decade-long career at WWF, she worked at Hewlett-Packard as a packaging engineer. Today, we'll hear about how data sharing can unlock value in environmental conservation and one specific WWF effort to jumpstart circularity in plastics. I'm so pleased to have you with us today, Aaron. Thank you. Aaron, could you tell us a bit more about your focus on plastic at the World Wildlife Fund and specifically your recent work on the Resource Plastic Initiative? Thank you, and thanks so much for having me. In one way or another, the reality is is that this crisis sort of affects all of the areas that our conservation organization is focusing on, right? Wildlife, ecosystems like oceans, freshwater, forests, and then, of course, the forces affecting those ecosystems and wildlife, climate, and food. We are trying to lead the charge to help reimagine how we source, design, dispose of, and reuse the plastic materials communities most depend on. And I want to highlight here that we're not anti-plastic because we understand that plastics obviously help our hospitals be safer, our food lasts longer, and our packages more efficient. However, it just has no place in nature, and that just represents such a mismanagement of resources that we took from the planet in the first place. So what WWF has set out to do is have a vision to get to no plastic in nature by 2030. And to do that, we have to fix this really complicated, broken system. And therefore, we need to pull in all of our key stakeholders, right? That's our global network of industry leaders, consumers, policymakers, um, and others that have the power to transform our systems. And that way, the, all those plastics that we discard today can become the plastics that we use again. I help lead WWF strategy to engage businesses as this powerful lever in systems change. Through that, we've been working with companies over the past decade on building an effective materials management strategy. We've realized a number of gaps as we've been doing this that have been really inhibiting progress to happen at scale across the private sector. And among them is this measurement gap that I think we're going to dig into a bit today, especially in plastic sustainability. There is no established language or measuring stick for which companies can frame progress. And in addition to that, there's not a complete view to link the amount and kind of plastic that companies are using to where it goes post-consumer phase to understand how much of that is actually being recaptured, recycled, or if it's otherwise perhaps ending up in nature. What we needed to do was fill that critical gap and be able to maximize companies' potential to actually mitigate their plastic waste. And so if you can align company data with this common framework and within the context 
of a global waste management system, you have the opportunity to more effectively use science to help companies take actions that amount to actual progress. And so to do that, we launched Resource Plastic in 2019. And that's essentially our, let's call it our implementation hub to take companies from those really ambitious commitments that they've started making to meaningful measurable change by really understanding where they have an opportunity to have their greatest impact through collective action. So it, it clearly starts with transparency. Mm-hmm. And as you start building out the data hub, where have you been sourcing data? And what do you see as the opportunity of leveraging more data, different sources of data to get a more accurate picture of the plastics supply chain? So right now there's two main sources of data. So first of all, it's company data. What are they making and where does it go in the world? So procurement and sales, right? And from what are they making? It's what's the source? Is it virgin non-renewable? So oil, gas, is it virgin coming from sustainably sourced bio-based? Is it recycled content? And then what's the polymer and format? Is it a PET bottle, a tray, LDPE film, and then where it goes in the world? And from there, you need this second piece of information, which is what happens to it. And there's not a lot of great information out there today that is actual information about what's happening. We have modeled out what we call our fate model globally, which tells us based on the best available sources, what amount of municipal solid waste, what amount of plastic waste in every country is being reused, recycled, or composted, and what amount is being landfilled, incinerated, or mismanaged, which by scientific definition means it's likely to end up in nature. Those pieces allow us to have a picture of sort of industrial material flows from source through consumer use phase into end of life in a linear system. But there's a lot of areas in that where there's challenges to the data. But the idea is that you can start there by creating that picture to incentivize action, but then bring others along who have a really important role to play in sort of filling in those major gaps in data. Right, right. Speaking to that coordinated action, it's again, aside from transparency, what are some examples of use cases that are unlocked for coordinated action if this information and more accurate information of the end-to-end supply chain through distribution and then ultimately through waste management and recycling would be widely available? What are some of the examples of the actions that companies are taking? If they look at how much of their plastic waste is going to landfill or is being mismanaged, it really offers the opportunity to ask why, right? Is it because the material you're putting into the marketplace is multi-laminate, like multi-layered, therefore not really easily recyclable? And therefore, it might be design change, making it more homogeneous. Is it because there is regulations against using recycled content in food-grade packaging, and therefore there's no end market for the product you're putting into the marketplace. You know, it's understanding the reason why it's not being recaptured and then targeting the intervention to address that, whether that's through investment in infrastructure, new material designs or uses, new business models like reuse or policy and looking at the legislative framework. So that's those are the actions that companies can take based off of this. What you're also seeing in parallel, right, is that they're not the only ones trying to drive the strategy and agenda forward. You have cities and communities who are trying to create 
waste-free or zero-waste communities or more circularity. And so they are also looking for what are they going to leverage in their local community, in their place. And so what type of infrastructure do they need? What type of technologies do they need? What funding do they need to manage that? And therefore, what are they going to allow from a product perspective to enter into that municipal system and be recycled and therefore be available on the back end in the secondary market? And so you can see how just that evolution of how better transparency creates a clearer picture of how you can align on a shared purpose and therefore get to collective action a bit quicker. When we're all using the same language to drive collective action, it's a lot more effective than when we all sort of stay in our own little bubble and assume that our actions are going to automatically and organically connect, and they just won't. We've got many decades of proof of that. It's really great to see such leading brands, you know, signing up and being part of the launch of resource. What have you seen as some of the challenges of launching resource and scaling the project? And where do you see those challenges evolving over time? Initially, when we launched this, one of our biggest concerns was that that companies would not want to go through this rigorous and really transparent process. But it turns out that as they were setting these ambitious commitments, starting really in 2015, they did not know how to get there and they didn't know how to get there in a credible way. And so through resource and this public measurement and reporting process, it's designed to help take companies to that next level of transparency, accountability, and then, of course, collaboration on the issue. And that takes companies really far out of their comfort zones. We are lucky that we had amazing teams that came in from five major consumer brands with Cured Dr. Pepper, McDonald's, Procter & Gamble, Starbucks, and the Coca-Cola company that really didn't shy away from that challenge. And they jumped in from the get-go and piloted the methodology for us, which I would argue is a pretty vulnerable process, right? Now, that said, there were real challenges. To begin with, we were doing a manual analysis of the footprint data up until just about five weeks ago when we launched the web tool version of our resource footprint tracker, which is up on our website, resourceplastic.com. And so now we can recruit at scale where we couldn't before, and so pretty excited about that. But the perennial issue we'll have is the access to data, both within our member companies and at the country level. Both global companies and waste management systems are just decentralized. They often vary country to country. And so there is a lack of consistent and quality data. I want to say that it doesn't actually affect our ability to scale resource. It's just burdensome to our ability to make the best science-based decisions regarding plastic sustainability and reduction of plastic pollution. We can still directionally guide off of the information we have. On the waste management side, What we really need is governments to institute annual national reporting of solid waste statistics, including amounts collected, recycled, sent to landfill, incinerated, composted, et cetera, et cetera. Governments should also ratify the new international legally binding treaty that we are proposing to the UN. That's an agreement for them to curb and track national plastic pollution and to, of course, ensure the responsible global trade of waste Each nation simultaneously should be taking, making actionable domestic commitments to reduce plastic waste and eliminate leakage into nature. And that, of course, begins with initiating better data collection procedures, but then, of course, also taking steps to ensure that waste management systems can be circular and retain the product's maximum natural resource value. And then companies, they need to take the step to collect and disclose more comprehensive data on plastic use in their own supply chains. 
maybe reflecting on either on resource or more generally on the role of data sharing to address broader societal issues. Where do you see this topic going in the future? What's the next generation in the roadmap of how you're going to increase the quality and transparency and the completeness of what you're building in resource? So let's start with just society in general. If we think about any of these major global crises, every single one of them is demanding systems change to address them. Where we see that playing out from a negative impact perspective is on communities, right? On people all over the world in different ways, whether that's with the plastic waste issue, the coastal communities who are already disproportionately impacted by all of these major environmental, economic, and social crises. You also have the general public who cares about these issues, but doesn't feel like they have the power to take action to do anything to drive impact. There's like this step change in order for us to be able to put the mechanisms in place for them to be empowered to drive the change, right? So that we're not just engaging the larger institutions, but using the larger institutions to set up the common vision for what we're trying to achieve. In this case, we don't want plastic in nature. We want to reduce the demands on the planet in the first place. So we need to move to more circular systems. Let's call it the common vision. Then you have, so you have the major institutions with a lot of leverage and power. That's businesses and governments and major institutions to help drive the major mechanisms to allow that. But they have to create the transparency of what is happening in the system in order for those less empowered individuals, communities, public to participate that in a really meaningful way. I want us to continue with the major step changes and progress we're making in plastic waste. It's the first time you've seen a global crisis have all of the collective stakeholders aligning around a common vision and taking really ambitious steps to deliver on that, whether that's through transparency and reporting, whether that's through pushing for better policies, whether that's about making major commitments to change the way we think about consumption. What that is going to showcase to us is that we have the ability to do that in other in other areas, whether that's going to be addressing climate change or biodiversity loss or the health of our oceans writ large. It's going to showcase that kind of pulling back the curtain and showing all and sharing everything to make sure that we all had the right information for that large scale change that that's going to be a really effective way for us solving problems moving forward. So that's my hope, right, is that we can prove this out. It feels like it's a large scale right now, but it's we're at a small scale within plastic waste for the large scale that we're going to influence that will hopefully sort of continue those building blocks. Yeah, Aaron, look, for all of our sakes, I'm excited about the enthusiasm and the optimism in what you're <laughs> describing. And I, I hope that it truly bears out. So Thank you so much for the time today, for sharing your experience, and I wish you all the best for this important initiative. Thank you so much. I hope for all of us that we figure it out. I have hope. Thank you for listening to today's episode. To learn more about BCG thinking on the data economy and IoT ecosystems, please visit our website at www.bcg.com and search for Unleashing the Data Economy.